to this podcast for St. Peter's Church Greenhill as we seek to become loving, witnessing and growing people. The first reading is from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. If able, please stand to hear the gospel of our Lord according to John. John chapter 14, verses 8 to 17. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. 
You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I have com- you will obey what I have commanded. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. As we stand, let us pray. Uh, Living God, would you send us now the help of your Holy Spirit so that each one of us is able to receive the word which you speak to us in Jesus our Lord. Amen. Do be seated. Friends, it's very, very good to be with you this morning. It'll be um, three years, I think, since my last visit to St. Peter's on account of the uh, pandemic. I find I'm reconnecting for the first time with many of the churches across uh, the diocese at the moment. It's lovely to be with you on this um, special celebration day. Uh, Thank you to whoever made the um, the curtain of of, of flame for us to pass through on our uh, way into church this morning. That was a a lovely bit of um, theme setting. Uh, When I was about 10 years old, uh, my father was the vicar of a rural parish in Cambridgeshire, and I remember a service at which the the daughter of the wealthy village squire uh, was confirmed. Uh, After the service, there was a party at the manor house, and the most extravagant spread uh, you can imagine laid out on a huge polished wooden table in a wood-panelled reception room, uh, the like of which you would ordinarily only see in a National Trust property or something. Uh, There were original paintings on the walls and Persian carpets on the floor, and there was champagne. Bottle after bottle after bottle of chilled champagne. Whether it's because I was only 10 and sparkling wine was part of the adult world, or whether drinking patterns in this country have changed in recent decades, so less champagne was drunk 50 years ago than um, it is now, I don't know. But for me, there was something magical about that row of bottles lined up, icy cold on the drinks table, waiting to be opened at the climax uh, of the celebration. It was a first for me. I'd never, never been anywhere so posh in all my life. And I remember my mum and dad telling me, Uh, not to touch the ornaments and to be especially careful that I didn't knock anything over. Uh, And I suppose being in a new situation like that, I I was possibly a bit nervous and, and maybe the squire saw the nervousness in my face and maybe that's why he did what he did next. When the moment came to open the bubbly, he called for quiet said a few appropriate words to mark the occasion, and then invited me, the vicar's son, to do the honours by opening the first bottle. He picked one up off the table, shook it vigorously, took the foil and wire off the top, and handed the bottle to me. I barely touched it when there was the most almighty bang, and a fountain of champagne flew out everywhere. For a split second, I was terrified. I knew champagne was expensive, and I'd wasted about half a bottle. I knew Persian carpets were expensive, and I thought I'd just ruined one. 
And I had this awful fear that that cork would have arrowed towards the most priceless ornament in the room to smash it. But the squire was roaring with laughter and clapping in a way that drew me into the fun when it could have made me feel like I was the laughing stock. It was a warm laughter, a genuinely inclusive laughter, which spoke of a liberality which went beyond laying on an impressive spread to making others feel really at home. It wasn't just the food and the drink in that house which were lavish, so was the generosity of the welcome. It wasn't just the, the champagne that was poured out freely, it was the hospitality. So that that memory for me is a really warm one and not an awkward one at all. And I want to start there this morning because of a particular Bible verse which reminds us that God's generosity has that same quality of abundance about it, extravagance about it. This is Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5 and verse 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which he has given us. What we celebrate this morning and every Pentecost is the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And that very word outpouring implies something lavish and bountiful. God does not dispense his Holy Spirit drop by drop as if the Holy Spirit were medicine. God does not measure out the Holy Spirit by units as if the Holy Spirit was alcohol. God has poured out his Holy Spirit in the way that we might upturn a jug or a bucket and pour out its contents holding nothing back. And you will find that very same note of generous inclusivity, of sheer liberality, of comprehensive inclusiveness in the first Bible reading that we heard a moment ago, that one from the Acts of the Apostles chapter 2. In that passage, Luke emphasizes intentionally how all-encompassing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was. He says, all the apostles were together in one place, that a sound filled the entire house where they were sitting, that a tongue of fire rested on each of them, that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it goes on. In the very next verse, Luke says, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. In the next, that the crowd was bewildered because each heard the apostles speaking the native language of each. That's just the first six verses. Keep reading and you'll find another all in verse 7, each in verse 8, all in verse 10, all, every, each. Luke is trying to convey that the first Pentecost was comprehensive, like a special offer, best deal, package holiday. It was all-inclusive. And I'm pretty sure that it was that abundant generosity of God which led Peter in trying to explain to the crowd in Jerusalem what was going on on that first Christian Pentecost to quote from the book of the prophet Joel in those verses which we heard in the second half of that reading. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on whom? On all flesh. 
not just on Jews, but on all people, all the nations of the world, people of every tribe and language and nation, not just on men either, not just on the elders of the community only, not just on the 40 and 50-somethings. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Even in our culture, 2,000 years later, it's hard to miss the note of inclusivity, isn't it? Can you imagine how recklessly extravagant, how daringly liberal, how abundantly generous such a promised outpouring must have been sounded in Jesus' day? Men and women, young and old, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, rich and poor, royalty and commoner, all are included, none left out. However unworthy you might feel, however much in a minority group, However marginalized or overlooked you usually find yourself, however excluded and frowned upon you have been in your life, Luke means you to understand that Pentecost embraces people like you. The Spirit of God is poured out on you. So the question is why? Why? Why does God pour out his Holy Spirit in this way? Well, the prophecy from Luke tells us. I assure you that on that first Pentecost, God did not pour out his Holy Spirit on the apostles simply so that they might have an uplifting or even a life-changing spiritual experience. It wasn't for their sake or not their sake alone that God poured out his Holy Spirit. He didn't even do it only to move to faith on one day only, the people who happened to be out and about in Jerusalem on that day. No, God poured out his Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost as a statement of the new normal, as an assurance that from that day onwards, God would continually pour out his Holy Spirit on the followers of Jesus again and again, always and everywhere, inclusively on male and female, young and old. But again, the question is, why? Why does God keep on pouring out his Holy Spirit so freely on the followers of Jesus like you and me? Well, the answer is in the last line of that prophecy from Joel. When I was running through that list of all and every and each at the start of the sermon, I skipped one. I omitted the very last such reference in our reading, the very last such reference in Peter's quotation from the prophet Joel, because the passage ends, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why does God pour out his Holy Spirit so lavishly on the followers of Jesus? It is so that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord might be saved, and so that you and I might be the means by which others might call upon the name of our Lord and be saved. And what an opportunity the Platinum Jubilee has given to us to work in partnership with the living God to enable those who are strangers to his love to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. I don't know if any of you watched the um, service of thanksgiving from St. Paul's Cathedral on Friday morning. Um, If so, you will have heard a a wonderfully skillful and powerful example of how to connect ordinary people back 
to a living faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, I thought the Archbishop of York's sermon was outstanding, the way he underlined the significance of the Queen's own personal faith for the character of her reign, and then urged the nation to, uh, to, to lean in on Jesus as the Queen leans in uh, on Jesus. If you, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to uh, find it on, um, uh, on, on playback. Um, and if you haven't seen the little Paddington skit, then you probably need to look for that um, as well. Um, and I'm so encouraged by the activities that you've got planned in the rest of uh, today. I know that you've had to do some last-minute rejigging to bring inside things that, if it weren't for the damp and cold, might have been um, outside. But, um, but thank you. Thank you for seizing the opportunity of this Platinum Jubilee to connect with your local community. Because if members of the Church of Jesus Christ, if followers of Jesus Christ are not connecting with friends and neighbours and their local neighbourhood, how on earth will anybody ever call upon the name of the Lord uh, and be saved? Um, so if I've got a challenge for you this morning, um, it's probably this. As the people of God in this place, please continue to work out precisely how you are sent out in the power of the Spirit which is poured out. Out, out, out. At Pentecost, that is what we celebrate. The Spirit of God is poured out on a church which is then sent out so that every Christian must work out how to play their part in the mission of Jesus Christ which enables everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen.